today on AgNews Daily. Uh, but also on our pay, we've got a uh, pay for skills uh, type system where we actually have the different jobs and we, we honor uh, what the work is. February 24th, 2023, Friday edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Tanner and Jennifer here to talk the ag and world headlines for you here as a listener today. How's Jennifer doing? I am doing pretty good. It's been a busy week, but we're on the tail end of it now. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to walk to class today. It was quite chilly this morning. We finally warmed up to a balmy 11 degrees this morning, but we're certainly feeling a lot of cold air after the storm systems that rolled through earlier this week. Oh, yeah. I haven't stepped outside since Wednesday, honestly, because of that. Iowa State decided to put classes online yesterday, so I was pretty grateful for that. It was funny, though, watching, I think, a couple of uh, Iowa State social media channels of kids crawling to class because of how (laughs) slippery the sidewalk was. Uh, That was impressive to watch. It wasn't even a kid. It was one of the professors. (laughs) (laughs) That just makes it even better. But yeah, you're right. Uh, listeners right now, you are expen- are experiencing some very cold wind chill warnings and advisories, especially our friends in the Northern Plains. Nebraska, South Dakota are feeling wind chills as low as minus 30 degrees. North Dakota, Minnesota might see temperatures as low as 40. A lot of Minnesota woke up to a negative 35 degree wind chill this morning. But Jennifer, we always like to touch base on ethanol production, so I'll hit that really quick here. Production last week rose to an average of 1,000,029 barrels. That is up from the 1.014 million barrels the week before. Stockpiles were up again, rising to 25.5 million barrels. That's up from the 25.339 million barrels last week. So extra production, extra stocks this week, Jennifer. That's what it sounds like. And jumping into the South Dakota Senate, they killed a bill this week requiring panel investigations and the governor's approval for foreign ag land purchases. South Dakota Farm Bureau President Scott Vanderwall says he is glad because there were issues with the bill. The governor was not obligated to follow the recommendation of the panel. He or she or whoever the governor is at the time could make that decision all alone and not knowing who future governors will be. We were concerned about that. There also wasn't a waiver for research, Vanderwall said. He also mentioned that it doesn't mean the solution is entirely off the table. They have ways in the legislature, at least in South Dakota, where they can do a hog house, as he called it. That's where you take a bill with a completely different purpose and they substitute the language in. I don't know if they'd try that because of the opposition from ag groups and it wasn't a very close vote. There is another foreign ag land ownership bill that passed in the House and will now be considered in the Senate. This legislation could make corporations who already file mandated annual reports to the state disclosure, whether they have any foreign owners or own foreign ag land. Yeah, that uh, seems to continue to make headlines as we had reported about what Iowa is considering now, too. So we'll see if Iowa follows suit. Headed up to Michigan, maple syrup producers have never seen a season like this. Typically, it's late winter when they saddle up and put their galoshes on and trek out to tap their trees. But 
an unusually warm temperature swing at the end of January and first part of February meant that staff was running much sooner than usual. This typically means there's three weeks after the end of winter, usually closer to St. Patrick's Day, that uh, trees begin to get tapped. And then this cold air, Jennifer, coming through right now, like we're discussing, is going to stop this up. So there's a chance that we could see from Michigan to Vermont of growers getting a second tapping season. So once uh, trees now are frozen and hardened up, could produce when weather warms back up an additional tapping season. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Of course, there's lessons to be learned from this year. A lot of producers are realizing that they need to get their equipment ready earlier in case this cycle continues to be sped up. Also, if you are a vacationer that likes to go up there and get your fresh maple syrup, granulated maple sugar, or maple candy, you need to be going now because of how early some of these taps began running. Uh, we'll be interested to see if, though, the second tapping becomes available, because if not, this freeze cut their season a lot shorter, and that could mean that we would be facing higher costs for the products that we love. So I had never thought about that. That's why it caught my attention and wanted to share that with the listeners, Jennifer. Yeah, I had never thought about that a whole lot either, but that's really interesting. Yeah, and what's next for you? Jumping in, the Farm Bill is always a big topic in this season. The National Association of Wheat Growers says bipartisan and bicameral legislation to expand agricultural export funding earlier this year will hopefully be incorporated into the upcoming Farm Bill. This strong showing early on, I think, sends a strong message that it is a key priority across the ag industry that we need to do something to move the needle to reinvest in these programs, Jacob Westland tells Brownfield. The bills could be the first to increase in funding for the Market Across program and Foreign Market Development program since before Facebook was created. The pie through inflation has shrunk and also through sequestration has shrunk since the early 2000s. And then your slices have gotten smaller through additional cooperatives. So we need to grow that, he said. Westland also says the market access programs have proven effective for increasing trading partners and exports across all commodities. A recent economic study estimates doubling funding for the programs would generate an additional $44.4 billion in U.S. ag exports by 2029. Yeah, there you go. You know, from one association to another, the National Corn Growers Association announced that Neil Kasky will be their new CEO starting Monday, February 27th. Neil's experience in agriculture is extensive, and we know that he will do the job well, says current President Tom Hag. The board and I are certain that Neil will usher in new ideas and take the organization to new heights. I'm excited because next week we have a conversation scheduled with Neil to talk about his vision for the future of this. So stay tuned to this podcast for that interview coming out next week. He served as the Vice President of Communications and Industry Relations for over four years and has spent a decade promoting ag within the NCGA. Prior to that, worked for the American Soybean Association as a legislative aide for members of Congress. He's got some great pedigree. He is looking forward to jumping right in on playing a leading role in challenging Mexico's efforts on banning genetically modified corn. 
So it looks like a great leader selected there for us. And I'm looking forward to that conversation that you lined up for us next week, Jen. Absolutely. I was so excited to see that announcement. And I was like, dang, we need to reach out and get him on here to hear about all of the exciting things he has in store for NCGA. Absolutely. Jumping into my last story I have today, a farmer from Germany says climate regulations from the European Union are forcing some farmers out of the business. Speaking through a translator, 69-year-old Arnold Lowerman says it's becoming harder for mid-sized family farms to survive because everybody is growing. And if you look at the market side, the big grocery chains are basically dictating the price of commodities. He tells Brownfield smaller operations are being overlooked. They want to get more mid-sized operations because they can take care of the environment requirements better. Lowerman says in an effort to be more sustainable, Farms and companies are partnering on carbon sequestration projects. There are manufacturing or bakeries that want to produce bread without a carbon dioxide footprint. Then those farmers, as corporations, are buying shares of carbon dioxide. He says his operation is small with less than 100 acres compared to the average European grower who grows about 600 acres. Lowerman hopes that there are more incentives in the future to keep family farms operational. I just thought that was an interesting look at it coming from a different perspective outside of the U.S. on carbon yeah. sequestration, too. I, I think you're uh, spot on there. I'm looking forward to maybe getting something scheduled here in the next coming weeks to give us some more updates on the carbon market just to keep our listeners on the forefront of things. The last little headline I have here is just a reminder that February first, we'll have a new cattle on feed report, and it's expected to add some more bullish fuel to the fire. Seeing lower on feed numbers than a year ago, followed by fewer placements, could be the perfect storm for cattle feeders to see markets go up. The theme of fewer cattle placed and aggressive marketings is something that we could expect for probably more than a year. We've not forgotten, though, however, that beef demand could drive prices higher, especially since we saw the Brazilian report coming out earlier this week. So something for us to pay attention to next week. But let's jump into markets today. We're not looking good on the grain side of things. Corn is down across the board. Front month contract down eight and a quarter to 652. December new crop down eight cents to 577 and a half. Soybeans front month contract down eight cents, even 1526 and a quarter. And November new crop beans down 16 to 1371 and a half. Wheat contracts, as we look at the hard red winter wheat, March contract down 23 cents with the uh, market coming in at 8.38 and a half here midday. December's hard red winter wheat contract is down 23 and a half to 8.35 and a quarter. And we bump on over to the livestock side of things and we have mixed trade. Live cattle is nearly even for the day. February contracts coming in at 165, April 165.15. Feeder cattle in the green, just slightly three cents up, 189.52 for March. The May contract is 198 and five cents. The lean hogs mixed front month trading just a little bit up today. April contract coming in at 86 and a half, while the June contract is looking at 104, even just up 
a half a penny today. So good luck at the markets. Who is our conversation with today, Jennifer? Yes, today we are listening to an interview you had with Gehringhoff last week at the National Farm Machinery Show. Absolutely. That was fun. Got my co-host from Farm for Profit on there with them, but it's always good to catch up with the guys leading the industry for making corn, soybean, and other crop headers. So let's get into it. National Farm Machinery Show, we are here to catch up with a friend of the podcast, longtime partner, and we're going to get some updated information from Gearinghoff. But who better, Corey, than to share what's working in agriculture with us? Then Bill Dickoot. Welcome. How's Bill doing? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. And remind our listeners, you are in the U.S. part of the time? Correct. So I live in Germany. Okay. Uh, I'm a U.S. citizen. I was born in Illinois, raised in the cornfields close to Chabance, Illinois, a small town. Great uncle was even the, even the mayor of the town. Uh, moved to Tennessee when I was uh, 11, 12 years old. Went to school in Tennessee, high school in Tennessee, college in Kentucky. Uh, moved to Germany to do a, tra- a tradesmanship, an apprenticeship as a tool and die maker. So tool the traditional okay. German tool and die maker. So I actually learned how to make precision parts uh, with my hands, using a saw, using a, a file, using a, a chisel. We'll have to have a conversation off the mics about that. We, yes. we got a question. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we, we, we can do that, yeah. definitely. Uh, then I uh, moved back to the States uh, with my wife and, and okay. daughter. Uh, my wife is German. Uh, worked for the family company for a couple of years. Moved back to Germany and got into a sales position. Uh, and then in 2008, I started working for Gehringhoff. Uh, components, parts, manufacturing. And uh, that was the first time I worked for Gehringhoff. Uh, then worked for an, an American company for a number of years. Okay. And in 2018, uh, Gehringhoff approached me and asked me if I could uh, come back. They had a gap in their uh, leadership team. Uh, and I assumed the role of chief operating officer. Uh, at that time, I was also completing my uh, MBA uh, from a Swiss uh, university, an Austrian university. Uh, and in 2019, I assumed the additional role of president for the United States uh, organization to sort of tie in all of the different disciplines right. that we have going on. Okay. So it's all, it's all a part of the whole, right? Wow. So everything fits together. You know, we've probably talked to you, is this our fourth time? I believe so, yes. And I don't know if we had gotten all of that out the first three times. No? Well, I'm, I'm warming up, you see. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hit and I stride. Love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> So what would you say right now would be the state of the business? How's Gearinghoff doing in the current environment? Well, it's still a dynamic environment. Uh, so uh, I still don't think that we're fully out of, out of the crisis. Uh, it's a high demand uh, market. Uh, we've been able to uh, increase our, our output while still maintaining uh, our, our quality and standing behind our equipment. Uh, but still the challenges are, are, are there. So from manning, also from materials and components, uh, there are some, some new things that come up every day. And uh, from a plan A, you have to have a plan B. And when the plan B doesn't work out, then you have to go to plan C. And that's a part of the day-to-day business. And that you can only do that if you've got good folks working on the right things and the folks have competency to uh, find their way and, and stay agile in this uncertain environment. And Corey Gehrenhoff, head of the class, no matter the crop, yep. definitely is going to draw demand. So what, what's been the response to the increased demand? Uh, well, 
building machines for our customers is our purpose. Uh -huh. So we have to get the manning, we have to get the materials together uh, to, uh, to build uh, the machines for the customers. And also to satisfy the demand, if we can do it right every time, uh, I don't know, but uh, we're, we'll, we'll do our very best to get it right. But what have we been doing? We've been building out our team. So we're going to start on a second shift in our facility oh, really? here in St. Cloud. A second shift? Yes. St. Cloud, that's U.S. That's the yep. U.S. side. Also in the Germany, on the German side, we're also building out the team. We've probably doubled our team uh, in Germany over the past uh, two years. And in the States, uh, probably going to triple it. How are you sourcing labor in a market that's so hard to find? Well, that's uh, also been a, a challenge, but you have to you have to stick at it, right? You have to keep on plugging away uh, and you can't give up. And uh, we also approach that in a interdisciplinary way because it's not just HR, get us some folks, right? So it's also Sam. Uh, he's also involved deeply in our, in our uh, meetings. What can we do to create buzz for Gehringhoff that the people understand that Gehringhoff is not just a job, but maybe a career. Yeah. Uh, and instead of maybe looking at the side of the road and seeing a UPS driver and saying, I want to be a UPS driver and seeing the side of the road and seeing a combine with a Gehringhoff head on it, I'd like to be involved in that type of industry. Right. So adding value that's maybe above and beyond than, 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 than just the paycheck. It's a, it's a laborer's market, right? Like they're not just going to come there for a big paycheck, right? It must be a culture thing. Yeah, and we've got a lot to offer. Uh, but also on our pay, we've got a uh, pay for skills uh, type system where we actually have the different jobs and we, we honor uh, what the work is, yeah. right? And the culture. Right? Yeah. We're very open. Uh, we provide the information. We let the folks know what's, uh, what's going on the best that we yep. can. Uh, but, you know, it's an imperfect science because it's, it's a social system. It's working with other people. And uh, to do it successfully, you, you, you got to do the best you can and that the other folks know that you're doing the best you right. can. And that, that, though, like you said, stems from the demand for the product. Right. And right. obviously, that's because the quality has been there and the quality is going to continue to improve. You know, there's been a lot of cool things that you guys have worked on already. And I still love your folding corn heads. Yeah. And, you know, when we got to run our, our lengthy campaigns, staying up on the technology. So what, what else is, what's coming down the pipe? What are we continuing to improve? Well, uh, we try to improve a little bit every day on everything that we do. That's one of the core pillars that we, that we strive to. But uh, we talked a little bit about uh, at the show uh, in Iowa, our AFT head. Mm -hmm. So that's the articulated uh, flexible head. So it's a corn head that's basically articulated in the middle and you've got a left wing and a right wing. And then that follows the ground. So if you've got really hilly territory, you, don't, you can go with a 16 row articulated head and don't have to clean up the valleys with an eight row afterwards. So, so, so that we're doing the next step and it's basically our, our customers have challenged us. They see the head at the show and they say, you know what? That's a nice head, but can you also make it folding? Right. So we're making it folding. Wow. What are you so calling that? Not only will it flex, a flex, yeah. pivot, Mm -hmm. In the middle, so articulated in the middle. So it's going to be an AFT. AFT. AFT folding head. Stands for Articulated Folding. Adaptive Flex Technology. Adaptive. <laughs> You're making up words over there, Corey. Yeah, I can make it up. Nice try. <laughs> I, I like the way you think. All right. That, that makes sense. But So I'm looking at this from the I sell seed, right? So on hilly ground, customers always want a tall hybrid, right? Which oh, is right. susceptible to wind because you can't get the, the platform or the, the corn head down low enough to get the ears. Mm -hmm. Now you can. So maybe you don't have to get that tall hybrid that's susceptible to wind. Right. 
Think of that. It's they're helping beyond. you. You're helping on the agronomy side of things, even though you're an equipment manufacturer. Well, you continue to talk agronomy. We know that some of your hybrids, Corey, present a lot of residual issues. Yeah. Big corn yields means a lot of stover. A lot of stuff to deal with. But you guys help with that, too. Yeah, we've got multiple uh, residue management systems, depending on what you need. Uh, we've got just the regular snapping rolls that'll crimp it up and, and throw it on the ground, all the way up to a rotodisc with a, a horizontal blade, so and everything in between. Our XDC, that's also a snapping roll, uh, but it cuts it up in smaller, smaller pieces, uh, also for, for no-till. And our uh, rotodisc, and then also our snapping roll with the, with the sling blade. Yeah. So mm. five, basically five different uh, yeah, residue no management systems, depending upon you know what your field is like and what the way that you the way that you, yeah, the way that you do your tilling as well. That's yeah. why it comes back to head of the class, no matter the crop, no matter the situation. Yeah, you I might have you. to you might have to work in the marketing department and expand that to just no matter the situation. Well, everybody needs their challenges. <laughs> They'll come from time to time. So, but really, you know, the residue management is one thing. You know, and, and what's what's your combine? You know, yeah. we can we can hook it up to every combine. You and literally we, can. You're yeah. on the Nexat. Correct. And and across the world, right? Uh, uh, all the major brands, and we we like to think that we make the combines run and run better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's that's also the question: the combine, and then the residue management, and then what row width spacing do you want from 15 inch all the way to 60 inch? And, and pretty much everything uh, in between that's, right. that, that could be a standard. Uh, and then uh, uh, also a folder, rigid. And then how many rows do you want? Right, do true. You want a, do you, are you a seed operation, want two row? Yeah. Or do you uh, need something that's a 32 row on a small space? Because wow. what is that on the next set? It's 50 feet. 20, 20 row, I believe, it's is what a, Emma said. Well, it's a 20 row 30 inch or a 30 row 20 inch. Okay. Oh, so that makes both. sense. Yeah. Huh. Which is not a typical nope. number of rows for, no. for regular cornet. Well, th- yeah, a lot of times the, the row is going to be dependent upon the, the planter, right? right? Yep. So how, how do you want to plant that you do half of that uh, uh, or some, some uh, denominator thereof? Right. So as we look through trade show season, mm-hmm. do you guys travel and hit a lot of them? Or is National Farm Machinery Show your, your spectacle? Well, uh, we've got, yeah, National Farm Machinery Show is very important, I think, for the entire uh, ag community uh, because that's where a lot of people show what's new for the year. And there's also a lot of of folks here uh, that are uh, related to the farm, maybe not directly a producer, but related to the farming industry. Uh, So there's a lot of, there's a lot to see. Uh, The next show is going to be Commodity Classic. Uh, but we're also going to be at the uh, Farm Progress and a number of other territory shows. Nice. Uh, so we've got uh, uh, a lot of shows like the Gin Show, yeah. uh, uh, a lot of different shows that are, that are going on that may be smaller, and sometimes we'll have maybe just one head. Sometimes we may just have displays as well, right. but to, to create the presence in yep. the marketplace. Yeah. Branding. But people should come find you and look up and touch and feel and see what the technology yeah. is all about. Exactly, and we've, we've got... Our sales folks are there. They're very knowledgeable, and we also have uh, our product support techs. Nice. And and if there's questions about uh, maintenance uh, yep. or just questions about your your equipment, they're there uh, to ask the question and 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 give an, give a good answer. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things about the head uh, where you might have bought a used head, mm-hmm. 
right? And you don't really know everything about it, but you can ask our guys, and they'll they'll show you the the important points and go through that with you. Okay, this is good. I've so got, I've got one question. Fire away. I think I put you on the spot last time. If I ordered a corn hen right now, when am I getting it? Uh, to harvest. Before harvest. To harvest. To yeah. harvest. <laughs> okay. Okay. I see how that. So is. before you before you harvest. So that's what, and that's that's going to be tricky because we we understand that we've got customers that have needs. We have. We also understand that some of the needs might even be higher than 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 other uh, yeah. needs that some folks are are in a bind, right? Yeah. Uh, so we always try to do our best to get to get the folks what they need to the time that they need it. Uh, but we also don't uh, say you're going to get it in June when we know that that's not going to be the case. We also are not going to oversell ourselves either. Yep. Uh, it's always always a, a little bit tricky line, but. Uh, we have to be honest to the marketplace um, uh, because that's really the only way uh, to have uh, a good relationship and a long relationship. And, and the farmer is also family business, just like Gehringhoff. And you know, Gehringhoff is in the fifth generation, and there's there's a reason for that. And it's not because we uh, make our customers angry at us. <laughs> Okay, so we try to try yeah, to take care of everybody the best that we can and find the find the proper balance. No, absolutely. No, it makes a lot of sense. If listeners want to track you guys down and look at the products that you have, what is the best way for them to look you up? Uh, the website, yeah, www.gearinghoff. So look us up there. Uh, we're also on social media. We're also at the at the shows. Uh, we also have a lot of our our dealers. Our dealers have uh, generally product on their on their lot. And they'll be able to uh, be able to give uh, the customer a very good idea of what our products uh, can do. Awesome! This has been a pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time to stop by for the fourth time and give yeah. us an update. Well, there you go, Jennifer. It's always fun to catch up with those guys. Have uh, been talking with them for a couple of years on our podcast, so I'm glad that we got a chance to share them with the Ag News Daily family. Absolutely, it was great to listen to everything that they have to offer. You bet. Well, this was a good Friday. We finally have a Monday where we'll be able to do a market catch up. So look forward to that. Stick with us. And of course, we teased the interview coming up with Neil Kasky. So stick around next week. We can't wait to bring another episode to you. But for today, what do you say? Should we let listeners go? Let's let them go. 